Architecture doesn't exist in a vacuum and neither should you. Whether it's a design critique or understanding how design connects to a larger world, gaining insight is invaluable for architecture students. Well, actually, all students in general. In these interview sessions, guests from professors to professionals and everyone in between will share their experiences and thoughts on design and the built environment. In this episode, I'm joined by, I don't know if I can call him an old friend, but uh, certainly I've known him for on the, you know, on the off chance, maybe for about over a decade now. And it's, he's an alum from Ryerson Architectural Science. I saw him at the point when I just started at Ryerson. He was in his grad studies and just finishing off his master's. And since starting up the co-op program, we've had the great fortune of having Jason Fung, not only be a great Ryerson alum, but also practicing what he preaches and taking in and helping out family members, uh, your brothers and sisters in Ryerson Architecture Science with co-op. So without a real formal introduction beyond that, Jason, care to introduce yourself? Uh, sure, yeah. Hi, my name is Jason. I'm an architect here in Toronto. Um, graduated from Ryerson in 2008 for my undergrad and 2011 for my master's. Uh, licensed to practice in 2015, and uh, since 2016, I've, I've run my own small architectural practice here in uh, Toronto. So I think one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to have, other than the fact that you're a really affable guy, and we're going to get to that in a, in a bit, but I think that one thing that's really come about is I got a lot of comments from some of the students listening that were commenting on, you know what, you've been able to kind of interview medium and large firms and people working within those organizations and certainly talking to faculty, it's great. But some people are very curious about, hey, so what? I want to graduate with an architecture degree and I want to become my own architect. More power to the people that want to kind of do their thing in a big corporate office, right? And, and certainly, Jason, I'm hoping you can talk about the differences in experience. But Vince, can you just give me a sense of what it's like to go out and be on my own architect. So I said, you know what, I, who better to ask? Like we've had these conversations, you know, when we're doing co-op co site visits, we've been having talks in the past. And I figured that you're very open about discussing things. And I thought that what better person than you to talk about transitioning from getting your master's to then working a little bit and then just saying flat out, I'm gonna get licensed and be on my own. So do you want to start off maybe with the first question, which is how did you start working? Like you graduate, cause we're facing the point in a couple of months, a lot of our students are going to graduate, master's or undergrad. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they, they come out of there and they're faced with, okay, I just can't automatically be my own architect. Mm -hmm. So they have to lock up. We know that there's three components. There's education, experience, and examination, right? So mm -hmm. you know, once you cleared that master's, you got the education part. But then the experience is where you start kind of opening up the doors here. So right now, let's just back play back the tape here. You graduated with your master's. What? I mean, there's a bunch of questions that I would imagine you had, like, you know, where am I going to go? What am I going to work on? How am I going to mm -hmm. kind of save my career? So tell me about the kind of situation you were facing back then. Yeah, I mean, um, I think starting out, I mean, the lucky thing is I, I had a job lined up uh, coming out of my master's uh, because after, after my undergrad, I had worked, I landed a job. And before that, so I can reel the, the clock back to high school where I was a high school co-op student at uh it's robbie young and wright which doesn't exist anymore whoa. i i gobbled it up yeah whoa man so, oh, yeah wow. yeah all the way back to 2004 and so um because of that placement i i made connections there um i was just a jolly happy kid and then in my third year of undergrad i bumped into some of those old co-workers that are just like we're now at this other firm 
Um, uh, I, uh, you, you know, we, we are looking for summer placements. Do you want to? And I was like, yeah, I'm in. Um, so I was very lucky. I, I consider that being very lucky. If you can find a job in like straight out of school, already you've got a leg up. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't too picky. Like I, I always had dreams of like working at OMA or working at um, uh, whatever kind of, you know, the, the, the studios you read about. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, uh, after school, you don't know really anything about buildings. So, I mean, <laughs> like, I would rather be technically competent and working at a firm that's doing, you know, work that, you know, it's, I mean, it's still work, than try to, you know, hold my breath, not have a job and, and find that magical placement at, uh, you know, Ken, Kengo Kuma mm-hmm. architect or something like that. You know, I, I um, you don't be too picky. You know, I, I was very fortunate to get the experience that I got, but of the experience, it's not like any crazy firms in there. I mean, I've, I've worked for some great architects. So, um, yeah, I mean, just get your foot in the door. I think that's 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 what I would have to say. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, so so I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna take it a little bit more on a finer point here because yeah. a lot of students are saying, well. Jason, man, I mean, you had it easy. Like 2008, and most people don't understand, 2008 was a huge crash in and of itself, right? Obviously not as big as like the pandemic that we're facing right now, but I've been consoled, like, I swear, man, like it's like a coincidence or maybe mm-hmm. not, but it's rather serendipitous that today I was speaking with the administrators of the university about, you know, issues about co-op during the pandemic. And then also talking to two separate students who have graduated in the last two years, right? Yeah. About getting a job because it's really a tough marketplace for them. So you're saying that it was really fortunate that you got a job lined up, but what kind of tips would you offer students? Like, I mean, they haven't quite finished school yet, right? But yeah. what kind of tips would you have to like kind of chum the waters for getting a good job moving forward, right? Or even yeah, a good I job. Mean, yeah, I mean, everyone is a connection, right? So, I mean, um, at the time uh, at Ryerson, uh, Yuthong is one of the professors, worked at Ra- Young and Wright, mm-hmm. um, related to Rob Young and Wright. Uh, and he really opened, he showed me a door, you know, uh, you, you be a little chummy to your professors to a degree, you still have to hold your own, but um, even your peers, like, uh, just try not to make too many enemies uh, in, in the early part of your career, because it will bite you in the butt later on. I, uh, I, I do count my blessings that uh, I, I didn't make too many enemies out there. Uh, I, I think, um it's hard. It's hard to say. I mean, everyone's situation is different. I was laid off. Uh, 2009. 2009, I was laid off, mm-hmm. um, just like everyone else. And I just went back and did my master's at that point. I was like, well, like, <laughs> I know what I'm going to do with my life. Uh, and then I was laid off again in 2000, uh, 2012? Okay, 2008, one, 2009, I can make an excuse for 2012. What, what happened then? Yeah, man? yeah. Uh, I was working at a small firm. Um, oh. And uh, they just dried up. The work dried up. And um, it happens, but it was an opportunity. Then I went from a small firm, then to a bigger firm working on condos, which is a totally different beast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you, you gain that experience. It's like, it's all opportunities at that point. So what, like, um, even it seems like the world's crashing down on you when, when you get laid off or, you know, uh, get let go, whatever it is. But I mean, no one's dying. Yeah, you just find another job kind of thing. I mean, uh, uh, work on your portfolio, uh, put your best foot forward, get out there and just 
hope you get lucky. I mean, okay. Well, you know, you know what? You're, you're, see, I want to make a couple of points clear. I think that for those of you guys that are not aware, uh, Jason's probably one of the most affable guys I've met in architecture. I mean, oh, thanks. You know, no, I mean, I'm, I'll be honest with you. Like, there, there are people like me that you know. It's like he is resting Vince face. Like, people just go. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna talk to him because he looks angry and intimidating. All stuff. You, you're like, you know jolly old happy guy you know you're, you're a nice guy right i think that that's a specific personality i think that's great but let's talk about some of the negative issues though because you know you're talking about we, we asked about like hey how can you go beyond simply the kind of rubbing elbows and networking but you did face a couple of challenges like you know you, you had to get laid off a couple of times i mean let's first off what's worse a bad studio review or getting laid off oh well, getting laid off is, is way to me a, a studio review I mean, ah, then again, I mean, you're putting a baby out there. You've, you've created this baby. It depends on how much effort you put into that project. If, okay, you, yeah. if, you, if you put your heart and soul into something and it gets torn up, that's really hard. But usually if you put in that work, if you really put your soul into something, uh, what person will like, you can defend it. You'll be able to defend it. You'll be able to, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, so if it was a bad review, most likely it was kind of deserving, you know, in a way, to a degree. See, even in light of that, you can still spin it in a positive <laughs> yeah, way. But I mean, like getting laid off, no one did anything wrong. You know, it's nobody's fault. That takes that takes a lot to overcome. Like mm-hmm. it's not it's not like you just you wake up the next day and it's like, oh, that was fine. I remember breaking down like a week after I got laid off in 2011, 2011 mm-hmm. or 2012, I forget. But I remember a week later, there was a house party and uh, on my way there, I had to stop off the DVP and I just broke down. I just, I was sobbing. And it's like, it's just that moment kind of, you know, the feelings bubble up and it's just like, you have to go through the motions. Mm-hmm. Studio, it's like, well, you know, maybe I didn't work as hard as I should have or whatever it is, or maybe it wasn't a very good project. There's a learning to that getting laid off. You, I mean, there's no reason, like there's, you know, well, that's that's the thing that's strange to me because you're saying like you know studio project that's that's on me that's my fault I messed it up I had made some bad life choices bad design <laughs> sure that's my that's on me and then I can see that's a personal issue where you can tie kind of take it but when you're saying that you get laid off which is more or less like a, an economic function right mm-hmm. more you or felt, less you're talking about that up upwelling of, of of emotions like why is like I mean if anything I'd sense a failure in my studio project as opposed to like look man it wasn't my fault like. Because this is what I'm facing right now. I, I got to figure out how to console a lot of students who had job offers and then magically they kind of dried up because, you know, they just got pulled because the firm kind of lost mm. it, right? And sure. for, for some of those folks, uh, some of those students, it's like, it's not, honestly, it's not you, it's me. Like that kind of thing where, where like mm. the student really feels, I thought I was good and then I got a job and then it just kind of got pulled under my, under my feet. And now I'm like on the outside looking in and you know, with our co-op program, they kind of got to get a job, right. To get into yeah. co-op. So you can imagine that, you know, it, it's, it's interesting to hear that from you, you're saying I lost the job because of factors that were beyond my control. I got students that are unable to secure positions because of factors, again, that are a function of the economy. And yet yeah. there's such an emotional issue there. Whereas like, you know, if I told you your studio product was garbage, you'd be like, yeah, okay, fine. I'll, whatever. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. Right? <laughs> That's not what I mean. I mean, I think there's always another studio project when you're in school. It's like, okay. well, I'll get him on the next one. Like the point of school is to run you through the ringer so that when failure happens, you've 
it's happened a few times, you know, like it's training. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the working world, you really, there is this feeling of you don't want to fail. Yeah. And there is a feeling of failure when, when you get laid off or get let go, whatever it is, even if it's not your fault, even mm-hmm. if you did everything right, uh, a firm can just lose four projects in the middle of nowhere. And then you've got nothing. You're just in the street, basically. Yeah. Um, That's brutal, man. School, school is, you're in a nest, man. You're in a, a trust tree and <laughs> whatever you want to call it. You're in a safe place. Um, you know, uh, when you're out working, it's like, it's doggy dog. And um, wait, are you going to do like the Beckett, uh, the Beckett Marco Polo thing, like fail, fail harder thing? Come on. No, I, I don't know. I just like uh, um, my, my whole tactic is I, I disarm, I disarm the, the harder individuals out there with humor and happy. That's my kind of thing. So, um, I, I mean, uh, like, there are you just you get individuals in the working world. It's just hard. Anyway, uh, yeah. No, I, I will admit that you're you're good at honestly, like like I said, you you you're able to pivot on a positive note, which I think is but something that seldom I, is seen. I I will say though, the frustrating thing is. Uh, Ryerson, where we come from, it's not as well known of a school as, let's say, U of T. Mm-hmm. But personally, I find our training technically, like you could put one of the Ryerson students at a desk the first day and they're cranking out work. It's like mm-hmm. there's there's productivity there versus other schools uh, that are maybe a little more theory based. Mm-hmm. Um, the students that come out... Uh, um, it's a different training. So then they're, they're asking, you know, why do I have to do this wall section or why does this smart center need to have another chapters indigo, right. Or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, just finish the wall section. Like that's, you know, like <laughs> that's a question you've learned to ask in school, but you got to finish the, like you got to finish this work. Listen, so man, you pay those kids by the hour. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It's, it's like, it gets frustrating when, when um, uh, students come out and they're, they're thinking that they're allowed to voice design ideas when it's like you know first we got to get you up to steam with technical stuff mm-hmm. and the frustrating for me thing for me was I, I saw that but then I also saw that most of the bigger offices or even at most of the offices and uh, the ones that you want to work at that the principals there are from the schools that taught that kind of theory or taught mm-hmm. that kind of way um, not as many pro, not as many principals would be from Ryerson, right? So there was also a prejudice too. Like I, I yeah. saw lots of like in my placements, in my job postings, I would see these new kids coming in from other schools. And it's like, why don't they hire? Like I've got four buddies of mine from Ryerson mm-hmm. that are, are amazing, um, and they, you know, they have to work, you know, the technical drawings at the we called it the back of the bus yeah. <laughs> in, in, in a firm. Oh, man. Seriously. You know? Just, yeah, you can't say that nowadays. You can't say, oh, geez. <laughs> but no, it, it was very much like, yeah, we have the technical guys at the back, the designers in the front. And, uh, you know, the technical guys have to make those designs work. And it's like, ah, oh, just like we can design, too. Like, we just we all happen to think about how these it things come done. together, too. Yeah. Well, OK, so I'm going to I'm going to take a couple of steps back, because first of all, sure, I yeah. want to assure you that we've been getting better at this. Right. Like you and I both know that we're seeing more and more folks come to the table right like i i mean it's not by accident i I don't think it's by accident i think the master's program does some really neat things they they force us to do competitions Mm -hmm. as part of the curriculum and uh myself mike blois and sean mclean we placed third 
in the McEwen school, like the, the, the student oh, the part. Laurentian. Yeah. The Laurentian school. Yeah. We were the only Canadian school to place in like, and it's like shocking. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, just that, that initiative um, to, to get our, you know, our graduate students to compete, to do these things. And then every so often we place, every so often we get, you know, prizes on this and that's just getting our name out there. Well, um, I mean, Jason, man, just to put things in perspective, I mean, uh, for the last few years, we've been on a tear for competitions. Like, I mean, uh, just to let yeah. you know, for our listeners, uh, the ACSA, right? They run annual competitions. So it's like the, you know, community of global architecture schools, right? They all compete. Uh, there's, there's a competition that's issued by them. And uh, guess what? In the last three years, we've either placed or won. Did you know that? We've either placed or that's won. That's amazing. And then, uh, you know, we, we've kind of done some really good stuff with national competitions like the steel competition, as well as uh, even yeah. the, uh, you know, the, the CCA competition, we, we kind of place or kind of win things. Um, so mm-hmm. it's kind of cool that we've been actually making a name for ourselves. But there's one thing I wanted to get to, because, you know, you talked about that, I don't know, I want to say that polarity of like the technical guys and the design guys, right? I want to take a step back, though, because I know you. And I know your thesis. In fact, I, I, meant, I don't want to embarrass you. I might have mentioned this to, to you before, and I, I think it's worth reiterating. In one of my courses that I used to teach, digital tools, and mm-hmm. I know it sounds really obscure, but I would bring your thesis, among others, uh, as a sample of explaining just how it's not just simply technical, but that there's actually got to be a really good theory behind it, a good basis for thinking, right? That's so, really nice of you, but I... <laughs> No, 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 just, just sharpen, let me finish this game. Uh, so, so the thing is, I present a very technical, I present Alex LeLay's thesis, which is super techie, like kinetic responsive environments kind of thing. And then I also show Jason Fung's, which is, and, I, and, and you'll pardon me if I kind of oversimplify, right? But I talk about how no one, if I ask the class, hey, can anyone tell me what Canadian architecture is? And then, I mean, outside of just going, go ask Marco, like he's just two doors down from you. The question is, well, what is Canadian architecture? And no one can tell me what Canadian architecture is. And I said, well, guess what? This is what Jason Fung's thesis is about. And I started talking about how you did the thorough analysis of various precedents. The fact that you had a supervisor named Marco freaking Polo, editor of Canadian Architect, guy that's got some real cred across the country. And you basically were able to take all these different precedents from across the country and talk about the regional issues and then start talking about what the seven characteristics that are really seminal to Canadian, Canadiana, or at least the perspective on architecture, you know, the relationships, the landscape, the kind of narrative sequence, the kind of material sensory, all these things, right? And I'm not, I, listen, I didn't, I, I didn't brush up my notes on this. I just remember this because it's so, I, I repeated it multiple times. And for people in the class, they go, okay, so that's kind of cool because they never thought about it that way. And I said, mm-hmm. that is what our program is about. It's not, 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 not about Canadiana, but the fact that it's not just simply, I can do a building. Right? It's the fact that I can also pose those, as you said, the why questions in a very mm-hmm. way, but also know how it gets done. So I just want to have not only put you on a pedestal and say like, man, dude knows Canadian architecture, but I just wanted you to comment on just how the theory was really emergent because a lot of students, as you know, are, are very much, okay, I can do a wall section. I can do like all my construction docs, right? How am I going to get to the point where I can do Jason Fung level of theory? That's, that's very... That's very kind. Um, I think what what these things boil down to is a it's always a question of who am I? Um, you know, I, I, I'm 
born Canadian, but you know, my parents are from Hong Kong kind of thing. Um, I always had that question. And so um, from that, you could develop almost any thesis from that. Who, who are you as a person? Where are you trying to go? I always looked at Canadian architecture as, as there's some really great stuff out there, just not very, not very famous. Like, I mean, there's some projects that would be like falling water famous if it was like in the US, if, if it just happened to have been built in the US mm-hmm. um, that exists here in Canada. Um, I, I just it, like, but then at the same time, it was so elusive. It's like, uh, like sure, it exists in Canada. Canada's got these things, but like, what, what am I looking at here? And uh, I figured, you know, if, if I'm going to be an architect, I should look into what this, this could be about. I mean, our, our whole industry is about legacy, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I was trained from um, a firm, JCI, Studio JCI, which came out of Hariri Ponterini mm-hmm. with a little bit of Montgomery Sizem. Like there's, there's these legacies of firms uh, and that's the whole thing with experience. You're getting experience from someone else that got experience from someone else that goes all the way down. Like you can trace this all the way back to the Romans. It's crazy. So mm-hmm. um, uh, I, that that question always kind of uh, Canadian architecture is the most elusive thing. <laughs> On top of that, I, I also I highly respected uh, I highly respect Marco as a as a professor, and um, I always thought I was like if my mind can think at you know a quarter of the speed that his is going mm-hmm. with the no like even with like a quarter of the knowledge that he's got, I'm like I I think I can make it in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, just attribute to him he we had uh three thesis students one um Aaron another one was Anthony and then there was myself Anthony did something about it was like uh, cyber yeah it was an Egypt when Egypt yeah. turned off the internet right it was insane yeah and it was like a totally different topic Aaron did something in in none of it that was not related to Canadian architecture it was it was something about um um uh, building up in in you know basically uh, permafrost um, and then mine was about kind of generally Canadian architecture, but um, Anthony's was totally a different thing altogether. And Marco was with him the whole time, just like, oh yeah, yeah, you should read this. You should. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how can you talk about vernacular architecture and also talk about like these really outside of the like, yeah, the Arab uh, Spring was, and virtualization. Oh, I know oh, it's it crazy. crazy. I know. So anyway, it grew. Uh, you know, it comes out of respect for for these people. You want to work. You want to work under them and and learn from them. Um. But it wasn't overnight. I mean, uh, I remember in first year and second year, just only worrying about grades, only worrying about, okay, how do I get an A? How do I get an A? And then at some point in second year, I was like, screw that. I want to I wanna have some fun and learn something new and explore something different. And um, if that light flicks on for you, that um, it makes all the difference. But, but just know? to note, grades are important, kids. So don't forsake your grades. Remember, keep, keep. <laughs> Uncle Jason's advice is good, but listen to listen to Uncle Uncle Vince's advice too. Don't mess up your grades. So, so we talked a little bit about like how you know the education that you got was technical and also really building up a, a kind of formative. Now, I want to say theoretical basis, but at least there was a sensitivity of theory as opposed to just simply building and construction, right? So then you graduate, and then you enter the marketplace, right? You get had the connections, right? You got the yeah. industry. And let's talk about this because I've had a couple of people and, and they've been very 
open about talking about getting the experience, right? Yeah. Because now we know that they've shifted a little bit the OAA hours, right? Like, you know, it's through 3,750 hours um, yeah. where, where basically you can start logging them now. Basically in our program, once you finish, like once you're in third year, essentially, right? So, mm -hmm. um, and, and that's up to 20% can be logged in before, you know, you kind of have to start getting a master's, right? Wow, that's um, a lot. I didn't know. Yes, yeah, 20%, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So tell me about that. For you, you know, you're, you're describing that pathway to licensure. I know that we've talked in previous podcast episodes with people and talking about like contract docs, contract admin. Oh, man, make sure your, your, you know, your, your admin hours are really there, like, you know, site hours. So I, I was wondering if you could give a little bit of an insight on the challenges that you might have encountered and tips on how to mm. bank up those hours, man. Yeah, um, I would say, so when I finished my undergrad, you weren't, I, you could log a few hours, but it, it, it was largely about getting experience. And um, I can't, you can't undervalue perceived professionalism. That is everything. And so every day I worked at a firm, we, we worked on the shops at Don Mills at um, mm. Pellin Associates, where the technical side, whereas Giannone Petriconi was doing the design side. And, you know, I, I wore a shirt every day, you know, uh, nice pants, uh, you know, dress shoes every day. It was like clockwork. I, I dressed well for the part. A little different now. I mean, they're like we're very casual in the firm. But back then, I like they, the, the other employees didn't know who I was. You know, I came in with some confidence, a little bit of confidence, a little bit of like happiness, a little like, a you little know, bit you, of happiness. just the way you kind of carry yourself makes a very big difference. And I remember after like, three or four months it was it was my birthday so they did a celebrate like a little cake thing and one of the one of the staff members was like wait you're you're 22 you should not have been doing those details and it was like, <laughs> well, you're not, you're like yeah like they didn't know that I was like totally junior I had no clue what I was doing and a little perceived professionalism throws you into another ballpark where they will just say okay well we kind of can trust this person to, you know, draw this thing up. Um, and I, like, like that is a huge uh, leg up, um, I would say. Uh, challenges wise, I mean, I will always look between 16 and 35. I'm always going to look kind of young because so my the, Asian for those blood. You guys that want to know, um, I will, I'm actually not sure if your website actually has a photo of you, Jason, but it does. I, yeah. I, okay. So, <laughs> so you guys can take a look. Jason Fung is by his name. You can tell he's Asian. Yeah. So Asians uh, don't raisin as they say. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say all of them, but yes, yes, that that's true. So yeah. yeah, you do, you do look a little bit young and I get that too. Like, I mean, you and I both, uh, we don't act as, uh, I mean, at least I don't act as mature and professional as I should. You wear mm -hmm. pants, man. I mean, dude, I think <laughs> my wife had to stop me. He's like, don't wear track pants. I'm like, what's wrong with track pants? They're comfortable, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I get that. Um, so, so wait, wait. So don't tell me though, because I don't want you giving bad advice and saying, hey guys, fake it till you make it. Because I hate it when you guys do that. Because then I'm like, the students will be like, yeah, I can do contract docs. No, you can't. No, I, I would say perceived professionalism. And uh, that will be a leg up. Just, you know, if you're acting a little more professional, it'll get you in good places. But I always had an inferiority complex with one, you know, I, I didn't come from like the bigger name schools. And two, I will always look young. So I remember uh, working on a project out in um, 
I think it was Georgetown. It was uh, one of these condos. Mm -hmm. And uh, for months, you're working on these on these drawings and you're coordinating with the, the engineers. And finally, we had this meeting sitting down after months of coordinating, you sit down and the engineer across from me, he's like, he's like 55. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, like some of the emails I've sent have been pretty <laughs> harsh to these people. And it's like, oh, I'm like, I'm like this kid, right? Like, uh, there are moments where it's just like, oh, what am I doing? Like, I, 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 anyway, those are just kind of, I mean, now with my own office, I lean into that. You know, mm -hmm. we, we are a young firm. So, you know, people looking for a young architect, we're here. Like this, this is, this is the shop versus everyone, all the other firms, most, like most of them are run by older individuals. Well, well actually, Jason, I want to, before we start talking about the firm itself, let's talk about establishing what your experience was like working for the larger firms and then subsequently what prompted you to say look man i got my license i got my hours i mean i got my sorry i get my exams i got my hours i'm, I'm getting licensed i'm gonna go on my own like what okay so tell me what was the scenario at work what made you go in the bigger offices what made you say look i want to go on my own and then what was the kind of tipping point that said i'm, I'm doing it I'm, I'm going solo yeah i mean um I loved, I loved working at uh, Studio JCI. That was the last firm I worked at before I started my own outfit. Um, really great firm. Uh, they do some amazing work. Mm -hmm. uh, but at that point, I'd, I'd been to the bigger offices. Um, uh, like, basically, Pellon Associates was, became WZMH. Mm -hmm. um, you know, working on those bigger projects. Worked on condos out in Vaughan. Worked at the small firms, you know, uh, Agatom. That's a really great, mm -hmm. very artist-like studio. They they do incredible work. I, I saw kind of the range. Yeah, I, I saw the range of what this profession could be, and I saw um, all the great things that my my former bosses were doing, and then some of the things that are like, oh, that's kind of flawed. Like there's some things that I wouldn't do. So I'm always constantly thinking about like, if I got to do this, what, how, how would I do it? Or what would I do? Mm -hmm. um, which it must brew back to, I, I must've been dreaming about starting my own firm since forever ago. And then, it, I mean, there are some decisions that I just didn't fully agree with at the last firm that I was at. Um, they, they paid me well enough. Uh, like it was less about money. It was more of just like, I, I feel like I can land on my two feet and I can, I can do this. Mm -hmm. um, there's a level where you hit, like, I feel competent. Like, I feel like I can do this. And uh, at that point, you know, in architecture, you're never going to make a lot of money. So I figure if I'm going to be making this kind of range of money, I can, I could probably do this on my own. Mm -hmm. Like if I, if I can survive off of, you know, 7,000 bucks a month, you know, mm -hmm. with taxes on that, it's like, I could probably find that money out there on my own. Um, that's not a lot of, like at the end of the day, that's, that's not crazy. If, if, if I was working as like some kind of stockbroker or whatever, that makes like, you know, $500,000 a year, mm -hmm. that'd be really hard to leave. But in architecture, you're almost never going to be making the big, big bucks mm -hmm. just because of the nature of design, the nature of, of what we do. So, so then again, coming back to that. So, so you were able to figure out that, Hey, I can do on my own, like that sense mm -hmm. of it was one thing, but what was the tipping point? Because for some people, they, they tell me, Vince, I'm going to work at this larger firm until I clear X hours or until this project is done. Cause I've been working on it for a long time or Vince, I'm going to do it when I 
get licensed uh, or Vince, I'm going to do it when I land a, a private client. Like, you know, I, I get that. So what was it for you that said, hey, you know what? The writing's on the wall. Jason, man, go, 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 go forth, young man. Yeah, uh, that's a hard that's a hard thing to think. I mean, we live in a really interesting time. Like we don't need to hire a secretary. We don't need to hire like there's a bunch of things that let's say just Google allows you to do now with just basically free you can schedule everything you need to do uh with zoom you don't like like well zoom actually is more of a pandemic thing but um <laughs> voice over ip you don't have to pay in a, an it company to set up your phone system um app based app based uh, uh time trackers and things like that. i remember we were using you know a company called semaphore or something it's a time tracker it was this really janky kind of software. And then another firm, we use Excel to track times. It's just really heavy. At JCI, they're like, we're going to keep this lean. So they, they use a, a software called Harvest. And mm -hmm. it's brilliant. It's like you just put in your time. It's not like every half hour. It's like I worked eight hours on this project. You know, you don't have to give it that much more detail. And you can invoice through it and you do your expenses through it. It's like the leanest, wow. meanest Thing. And so I think I learned a lot of things from that studio of how to be lean and mean, and then look back at the structures of the bigger offices and like, okay, if we could stay efficient and we can do things with that kind of efficiency and stay lean and mean, we can crush out some great things with not a lot of overhead. Like with basically I could start out in my basement with a computer uh, and I'm good to go. And okay. So, 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 but okay. So now let, let's, let's put this in the perspective though. Okay, Jason. So you've yeah. kind of, at that point in time, you've realized, A, I got the agency. B, I, I think that I can be lean. I, I see the, the situation that uh, my past employers have kind of operated with. And I do not necessarily better, but at the very least more efficiently and on your mm -hmm. own, right? Mm -hmm. So can you talk about then what were some of the highs and lows of starting? You know, you already started talking about some of the, the challenges, right? And, and some yeah. of the benefits of going solo. But like, I mean, that's a big, like for a lot of people, Let's be honest here. Some people don't have it in them to take that autonomy and say, I'm going to take the plunge. I, I like some people like to have like the consistency to make sure that someone else does the RFP. So I just kind of do the job. Right. Oh yeah. 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 I know. I, I count myself lucky. Like I didn't have that much baggage. Like, you know, if let's say you are, you're in that point where you want to start your own firm and you've got kids or you've got, yeah. you know, like that's technically baggage. I mean, those are wonderful things, but to start a firm, that's its own baby in itself. Um, I've been very fortunate in that sense where I didn't have very much, I didn't have any baggage. I didn't have a relationship. It was just me. It's like, well, I can spend as much time on this and not feel guilty at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which was, which, I mean, that, that's, yeah. I, I mean, that was a big part of it is I could just spend as much time as I wanted. Um, in, in masters, I treated it almost like a job. It was like eight to, you know, I got into like eight or nine and I left at like 6 PM. Mm -hmm. And in that time you could do a heck of a lot. Like you could do a heck of a lot of research. You, you can, I still go to the library. You know, you, I went to the library, you go through periodicals, you do all this stuff in a day. Uh -huh. And I found that when you're working in a firm, it's like, well, in that time, you know, you're trying to crush out these projects you don't have a lot of time to think or to just run to the library and look something up or whatever it is, or yeah. uh, do the research. Um, so I remember thinking, it's like, okay, you know, like, let's, let's see what the first week or so does when I, when I left. And um, in the first day, you know, you build the whole website in a day 
And then the next day it's like, oh, you built the whole business plan. And when, when you don't have work as shackles, mm-hmm. you've got 24 hours of your day to crush some real amount of personal workout. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I found that like starting out, it was amazing. It was like, this is like, I, I have the whole, I have all the time in the world, even though I'm not making any money. And so like, then on the other side, I had to have a price. I was like, mm-hmm. if I can make it, you know, if I don't land a single project in four months, then I will go find another job. And hmm. just, just like, you know, that was my price. It was like, if I don't land anything, then, uh, you know, I, I gave it a, at least four months shot on my own, you know, but if I land something, then I know that I could probably land something else. Yeah. And so, um, you know, in the first month I landed a small rear edition Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it just kind of keeps going. Like you, you network and you meet other people and uh, it just projects come. And then after four months, I was like, oh yeah, no, this is a thing. Like this, mm-hmm. this, I'm, I'm making just about what I was making at a firm, you know, maybe a little less, on. but yeah, I, I didn't need to, like, I knew that I had to make four grand a month to survive, mm-hmm. to pay a mortgage, to, you know, pay my expenses, to mm-hmm. whatever it is, a car payment, all that stuff. Uh, four grand is not a lot of money. That's that's a thousand bucks a week. That's mm-hmm. like that's chump change when you think about it. So um, you know, as long as I made that, I was like, ah, let's just keep going. And so, um, but 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 okay. So I'm glad you're actually talking about the numbers and the kind of brass tacks of it, right? Yeah. So we all know that traditionally architecture schools or programs tend to focus more on design and maybe history theory and and the odd structures that they really don't like about to talk about. Um, but then like the actual business of running a firm the business of architecture the, yeah. the practice sorry the, the the practice itself is something that's not really pushed it's almost like a, a behind the scenes shh, don't talk about it kind of thing i think at ryerson they at least have the project management just you know uh, stream where it's like look we, we make sure that they're at least aware of it and then you know you're talking about like prices and contracts and, and I mean I think about like the Canadian Handbook of Practice like you know and certainly the mastering the business of architecture all these different uh, resources that we have available for a lot of emergent architecture firms or architects that might want to go on their own that seems like a lot of intimidation like how does one really grow? like I mean for me when I went out I had to just kind of do it like we didn't, I, I predate the chop I predate the mm-hmm. mastering the mm-hmm. business. I actually did a real legit MBA, not the mastering business of architecture, but a master's of business, masters of business administration. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's why I had to pick it up that way. Cause my undergrad and my grad uh, in architecture didn't really flesh that kind of capacity out. They kind of banked on having it built up with experience. It's really intimidating. So how did you just kind of say, I'm just going to dive in. Like that's a lot of business stuff. You can understand why in a lot of firms, they have that silent accountant that kind of runs. The <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so, so tell me how, how you kind of got your head around that. Cause that's not usually the first thing that kids think about when they go yeah. you know, my own firm. Yeah. I, I would say, yeah. Architects aren't the best business people in general. Um, that's, that's just kind of a sidebar, but um, there was, there is a grant, there's an Ontario, it's called, um, the starter company grant. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's still, I think it's still around, but back then, um, it was administered by each municipality. So Toronto got, uh, runs it, Markham runs it. That's where I, cause I was living up in Markham. Um, and, uh, what they do is they give you five grand and as, as part of that money, you have to sit into classes 
every two weeks mm-hmm. on business things. Yep. And it's like, well, they're going to pay me to learn about stuff. Yeah, I'll do that. So, um, and then they go through the whole thing about bookkeeping and about um, uh, running, doing taxes or expenses or yeah. SEO or, and it's, it kind and then after that, for six months, you're paired with a mentor, a business mentor that's not in architecture. Mm-hmm. And every month you have to keep up the books, show them what's going on, see how your metrics are working. Uh, kind of an incredible program. I, I like that gave me confidence. I was like, there's one month's salary right there. Yeah. <laughs> one. And uh, two is they're going to teach me all this stuff about how to run a business um, right off the bat. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, made a huge difference because like, you know, uh, tracking your expenses and stuff, you don't think that's very important, but it is like everything. Like if I don't, if I don't track my mileage, then I'm mm-hmm. paying for that. And the client's not paying, like I'm losing that money exactly. and I'm, I'm also not billing it out. Like it's, it's crazy. Um, SEO train, like search engine optimization is huge. And I was going to say like back then they were talking about SEO. Really? Yeah. yeah it wasn't that long ago. I mean, it's 2000. 15 2015 2016 right. in that zone um architects are n- notoriously bad marketing like we are notoriously bad at marketing so if i if i can just be a little bit marketable out there or advertise a little bit i figured i gotta be landing pro- like i have to land projects if i just advertise a little bit um had to double check with the oea because at a, there was a time when architects weren't allowed to to advertise yep. Um, but they've changed since. I mean, um, you get your name out there, people need it. We're kind of an essential service to a degree. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people don't see it that way. Uh, unfortunately, in Canada, it's not really seen that way. But design, we, we like for a building, you need an architect. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's lots of buildings. There's lots of projects. Um, you just got to get your name out there. So then now that you've kind of got an understanding of the business operations, you started up your firm, you started getting up uh, jobs now. Again, your, your brilliant smile, your jovial personality can only get you so far. Like, I mean, you're able to get these jobs, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and I know because, uh, you know, you and I have talked since, since, since a long time ago when the firm first started. How did you secure a lot of these jobs? Because it's not like you're talking about advertising. It's not like you had like a big billboard saying, you want this architect? No, know? yeah. Yeah, no, uh, it, it's thinking about things in terms of, of your business at all to- at almost all times. At like literally every hour of the day, you're thinking about, okay, how does this technically benefit the business? Um, and so other, like keeping a good, keeping in good relationship with your, your former colleagues and friends is huge. Mm-hmm. I landed a ton of projects from people that are working in firms, moonlighting and getting a project. And they're like, we just can't handle this house. That's right. Jason, you, you know, you're out there, you're running your own practice. Do you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. Um, and if, if you're in good if you're in good um, relations with these, with former colleagues and stuff, that's just to your benefit. Uh, I do have to, like, I, I standing on the shoulders of giants. It's like there was, there's a firm called uh, Wayback Architects, which formerly was Bruce Studio Architects. Um, wonderful, wonderful people. And uh, uh, Kirsty Bruce was a principal with Jordan Winters. Kirsty Bruce was so kind. She was like, I've got a studio, I've got a desk. Do you, do you need studio space? Do you want to just work at the desk? And for two months, I worked out of their studio and then tragedy happened. She passed away like, like that. It was, mm-hmm. it was a freak thing. It was, it was, but 
up until that point, she's been, she was so nurturing, same as Jordan. Jordan's an old friend of mine from Agatom days. Mm-hmm. And um, they were like, we got this potential client, but we don't want to do this project. Do you want to do it? And it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll take it on. I'll take on basically yeah. anything. Um, so like, uh, I relied a lot on my friends and the support of my family. Like these things, you, you really do you stand on top of these other people that have really propped you up. So it's not, it's not all just like one person has thought of all these things. It's, it's like uh, you, you, you piggyback off of the, the work that other people have done basically like, yeah, you know, and um, they laid, laid, laid the groundwork to help me start up. They, they told me all these weird things that happened in a, in a project. And it's like, okay, I'll remember that next time. Like, mm-hmm. Don't, um, a perfect example is, uh, uh, I remember Jordan turning to me and he's like, we used to bill, you know, hourly yeah. or a project where the client's like, we don't want to pay this big sum. Can we just do hourly? But the negative side effect is your client doesn't want to call you because it's like every call is like 150 bucks, 200 bucks. That's counter to the mission of a firm. You want them to use you as a service. Mm-hmm. So it's like the project would be poop by the end of it. Cause it's like, no one's calling, no one's checking. Yep. No one's asking questions. It's like, so little things like that, like tricks to those trades, I was imparted to me from experience from other people. So um, that was huge. Yeah. But, but let's talk about that huge issue because, you know, you're talking about as a single person running the firm, I'm assuming there was like lean days when you were just solo, Jason Fung. Arden. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For a year and a half. Yeah. Year and a half. So, yeah. so then at what point did you say, you know what, I need to hire someone and then like, I look at the firm that you got right now. I look at your office, like you, you, you don't, you're not working out of home. Nothing's wrong with that. But I mean, like you're, you're working, you know, out of your own office. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's so separate from your home and you employ several people, of course, yeah. a couple of co-op students too. Um, so, so just what kind of allowed you to get that confidence to be like, okay, I can't do this alone. So I got to pull people in, but I also know that I'm going to get some more work to kind of sustain that kind of volume of employee, right? Yeah, that's um that was out of necessity. So when you run your own practice, you are during the day you are making the phone calls, you know, talking to uh, civil cert, like uh, plans examiners about permits. You're talking to the contractor. You're dealing with the clients. You're dealing with the consultants all day. You're answering the phone, doing the emails, all that stuff. Then by you know about six p.m. the phone calls stop, and then you get to design stuff. So your ha- your two hands can't physically do all the work. Even worse is a site day. You're driving for, you know, let's say two hours of the day, nothing is getting drawn. And so I remember I'm driving to a site and it's like, geez, if I could get someone to be drawing right now, I could bill out that time. Like nothing is getting done right now. Um, For the first year and a half, it was literally you burn the candle from both ends Mm -hmm. and you just suck it up. And it's like, I like there's, you're not sleeping. You're not, you're, you're eating garbage. I gained a lot of weight in those, that basically two years um and my first hire was a gamble yeah I, I mean I I actually I have some back problems because I gained all this weight and then when things got a little more stable I started um playing sports again and I like I was too heavy for what I was supposed to be really uh, be able to handle yeah I hurt my back so still hurts to this day but um my first hire was uh, a, a technologist grad and she's still mm-hmm. with me uh Tanya oh, yeah. um and she she's amazing she she she's a new grad so one, she came relatively low cost, you know, because she's straight out of school. 
but I made sure that she had work experience somewhere else. So she worked, you know, uh, as a, as, as a grocer, she worked some retail, she worked, she has work experience other places. So I knew that she has a, she has a perceived value of what a job is. You know, right. if, you, if you get someone straight out of school that's never worked, it's like, I don't know how I can even, I, it's hard for me to even teach. Like, I, I don't like, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I know that man, there's some sense of entitlement sometimes that you just can't, you can't fix your, you, the kids. There's parents some, just yeah. Crazy. There's something about the working world that is, uh, it's, it's important, <laughs> put it that way. Um, so I very much lucked out and, you know, uh, she's, she's going to be getting her, uh, OAAS soon. And oh, great. Congrats. Yeah. So she's on track to be licensed technologist. And so like, it's very, uh, I'm very proud of that. it's like, it's great. And she, because of her, the business didn't take, it's not like it took off, but it was like things were happening while I was just running business stuff. The tricky part about that is, you know, the challenges only get harder. So it's like, okay, first staff, how do you do payroll? Uh, how do you, do, you know, like these challenges keep coming up, but then once you figure it out, it's like, oh, well, that's not so bad. And you'll know how to do it next time. So, um, so, so then just, just so I can understand this a little bit better, because so you hired Tanya, you got, you started expanding your little empire, but you don't want to <laughs> right. that way. But now let's, let's fast forward a little bit. You're, you're the boss of, you're the Jason and Jason Fong architect, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you've been hiring our co-op students. You've got full-time employees. Tell mm-hmm. me, like as a employer, because I think a lot of people are like, look, man, it's great that you're talking to Jason and just getting some insights. And I mean, I'm not even at the point where I want to learn about becoming my own firm. I want to learn about how to get a job. And often I, I interview people and I get a lot of feedback from students later on going, you should have asked them what they were looking for in the firm. You should have asked them about what would make a good candidate and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, fine, fine. Like do your job, Vince, do co-op. And so I'm like, <laughs> I gotta just make sure I ask. Like Jason, as an employer of, a kind of smaller firm, right? You've already identified that you don't necessarily have to have an architectural pedigree. Like you don't have to have like, I did this project, this project. You, you're basically hiring Tanya with a certain amount of experience that was not necessarily directly related. So I wanna make sure that the first and second year kids have a little bit of confidence that they're not completely out of luck, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is if you are working and, and you might want to go into a firm like yours, what would be some, keys for success, right? So, so let's start with the, let's start from the bottom, like mm-hmm. experience to the kids, you touched on a little bit with the Tanya story, right? But what are some mm-hmm. really core things like skills, traits that you'd imagine would be necessary for those students in first and second year that might not have ever touched an architecture, you know, firm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so there's a bunch of things. I mean, the obvious one is technical competence. You have to be good at what you do. You have to uh, be at least curious, be curious, you know, uh, uh, you know, work really hard and, and uh, learn as much as you can. But then there's the other side of things is just chemistry about connecting with people. And if you can't connect with a person, they're never going to hire you. They're just, it's just not going to happen. Um, uh, that That's from a personal standpoint is if you're, if you're um, personable, if you can connect somehow I, I like you go to these job fairs I remember in, in undergrad you go to the job fairs of just like there's a bunch of architecture companies that come out mm-hmm. you know can design comes out and like just these big companies yeah. um don't just give them a resume you know talk to them about their I don't know their weekend or something like connect on a human level mm-hmm. they don't want to hear about your thesis they don't want to hear about like what project you're on they want to they, like talk about something that would relate to them 
you know, like yeah. I, it might be very personal. You can ask about their kids or I don't know, like, whatever whoa, whoa, whoa. you kind of read, whatever you cannot read in the situation. It's like a game of poker. Like you, you kind of have to read who you're talking to um, and you connect that way because you, you're never going to make a connection by giving a resume and yeah, like no one's going to remember you that way. Okay. Um, if you, yeah, like I, I, it's, I don't have a recipe for it. It's just, uh, just connecting with people. Um, how do you do it without sounding disingenuous, right? Like that thing, that's yeah. the, the problem that we face a lot of times, right? Like, yeah, don't fake it. I mean, be slightly interested, be slightly curious, you know, just be curious about what this person that you're talking to is about, you know, uh, you know, like they took a Saturday to come out to stand in front of a booth for you to be like, clearly there, there's a story there that you just want to hear about. <laughs> You know, and if they're from like, let's say Montgomery Sizem or whoever, whatever firm, mm -hmm. if you know a building or something that just got built, okay. you could ask about that, you know, what they're working on um, or, you know, just things that could be interesting. I don't know. Uh, but it's not about you at this point. Like, don't talk about, don't talk about yourself because they, I mean, they, they honestly don't care that much about <laughs> you. Um, but if you can connect about them, all of a sudden you're, you're in their, you're in their club. So, so I like the fact that you're talking about connection. You're talking about some level of competence. And of course that curiosity, I almost, almost want to say it's the three C's of Jason Fung. Uh, <laughs> for, this first, for this first and oh, second. Can I patent that? I no, 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 man. I'm the, see, you said that architects suck at marketing, but I'm an architecture prof. So I got the marketing. <laughs> but let's talk about the second tier though. Like, those kids that are applying for your jobs or those maybe even recent grads that are applying mm -hmm. for a job. And, and we know that there's a multitude of reasons why students, especially from our program, actually prefer, like I told you this before, like off, you know, off the record that like a lot of students in co-op from our program, at least, would rather work for smaller firms because they want to really have a that sense of exposure to the diversity of things because like a multi like a multiplicity of projects just kind of firing away at, at them right yeah and the yeah. second thing is that you know what there's a certain ownership and responsibility whereas in a larger firm sometimes it's unfortunate that the students kind of pigeonholed and it's like you're a cog in the machine you are the best at doing 3d modeling you're the best at doing contract docs or whatever yeah. but yeah. then if i were working with say a smaller firm like jason I'm not only just getting a multitude of things, but I'm invested and I started from sketch all the way to like close out, right? Like that, yeah. that kind of like turnover is really there. There's a certain agency there. Do you just want to describe then what you would say is, is critical for a person to have if they want to work for you as like a grad? Yeah, I would say um, don't get discouraged. Don't get, well, like if you're applying for small firms, apply for a few because like currently I don't, I don't have a position for May you know, there's co-op students asking, they're like, you know, uh, is there a position? I also don't have the time to respond to every, to every uh, application. So largely, you know, I, I've, I've ignored, I think like 12 emails from people looking to find work. I don't mean to be rude, but I just don't have the time. There's don't no position. That so stuff I, when you take an hour to talk to me. <laughs> like yeah, a... <laughs> no, 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 but yeah, like, but no, 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 I mean, there's a reason, there is a business yeah. reason for it. Yeah, yeah I, no, I get it. Um, I, get it. I just don't have a position. And so, don't get discouraged if you don't hear anything from an application. It just means that there might not be a position or the email got buried or, and you can lightly prod, you can send a follow-up. If, if a follow-up doesn't get responded to, there's no position at the time. Try another firm. Like don't, 
don't feel like you're you failed or this is the only option you know uh just try try another one uh it's a lot of luck that there would be a position in a small office um i have my core full-time staff and then like depending on workload there might be a position there might not be so mm-hmm. um uh but luck favors the prepared like have your cv have your cover letter all this stuff ready so that if on the OEA classifieds or whatever classifieds mm-hmm. you read, there's an opening, you're ready. You're ready to pounce. Um, timing is also everything too. I remember posting something and like in like six minutes, I got an application. I was like, well, that's not a good sign. Like, <laughs> so there, there's other, there's timing too. Don't just, uh, don't, don't just blast out something. Yeah. Uh, there is a, there is a function of timing to it. Um, like give it a day or something that, then it feels like it's been crafted, um, your, your application. Um, and I got to say, it, a, sh- a very concise cover letter can go a long way. Huh. I, I've seen a lot of cover letters that's just like edged margin to margin, top to bottom, write up about your life story. I don't want to read that. Like, give me two small paragraphs and I'm good. <laughs> that's, you know, yep. if you can edit yourself like that, then I know it's like, well, this person can think. This person can, can, can really evaluate what's going on, whatever is going on. Um, if you just give me just a verbal thing, it's like, I, I can't, I, I just, like, I don't have the time to even teach someone, <laughs> you know, like, it's, I, Wait, weren't you the TA, weren't you a TA for one of those Marco classes at one point? In I, was, I was a TA a bunch of times. Yeah. Marco was one of them. Yeah. It scarred, uh, see kids, you scarred him. And now he just like, he's like, he's a grammar police or something, yeah, man. Yeah. A little bit. Marco is a very good writer. Um, I didn't, it didn't click until I was in my master's that's like writing. You have to think, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but it goes a long way. I write more than I ever did in my life and it's emails and it's like whatever, uh, web posts, whatever it is, you're, mm-hmm. you will be writing so much more. And if you could keep, if you can keep an email to three sentences and still get across and not be cold and like, that's like things will get done. And if without you, emojis, if, without emojis, without emojis. Yeah. If, if you can keep it to that, then things actually get done. If you send out a, a novel, no contractor is going to read that. A consultant's a consultant has to read it. And they're just going to kind of glaze over a bunch of stuff. It's like, yeah. Leave, leave the big emails for the profs. We do that better. Um, so, so just let that. <laughs> That's a different story. That's yeah. a, I mean, I'm talking about the work, like in terms of the, the practice side of things, nothing will get done with a long email. About that because you know what's interesting I'm, I'm getting the insights from you as a boss literally like you are like you know like a like a boss you're you're actually able to kind of talk about the things that you would expect to see and want to give responsibilities to for a, and, and and tips to get in but mm-hmm. let's talk about just like the like let's talk about the elephant in the room the pandemic right and you've as a boss in an architecture firm during the pandemic you've had to make some decisions right like yeah i remember going to your office and i always comment on it that it's like there's the business side of the office. It's like your office, like a mullet. Like you got the business <laughs> side and, and then you got the party, the party the side. You got like, you got a play, like you got a living room with a PlayStation, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I keep on asking like what game you got and all that stuff. So I, I think that the kind of ambience right now, you're, you're in your office solo, right? But yeah. um, I, I think that there are a lot of challenges that a, a firm of your size is facing right now. And yeah. we know that uh, it, depending on the region, like it's, it's got varying levels of clampdown. But, you know, working from home, do you want to describe how you as an employer have kind of taken the opportunity to shift to to virtual working? Yeah, I mean, so you always see, you should always look at things as a choice, right? 
So at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, it was it was March, March 11th, March 15th in that zone. It Friday was, the 13th was when the Friday the 13th. Yep. Yep. And, March 15th, yep. Um, and that's when it hit home to me that's like, oh, this is a thing we need to somehow think about, like, how, like, how do I do this? And luckily, up until that point, I'd been dabbling with remote desktop, hmm. um, like virtual VPN stuff since 2007. That's actually how I crushed undergrad is I was able to log into my home desktop and work yeah, right. on a laptop at the same time. Right. I was doing two things at once. People were like, how are you crushing all these renderings that take yep. like 18 hours to do? It's like, well, I'm actually doing it. It's actually running, rendering at home. <laughs> um, that actually saved me. Uh, so I, I was able to set up a remote desktop system, but um, I, it's important to evaluate your life through art and literature and things like that. My big medium is movies. I watch, like movies are my kind of say poison. Mm -hmm. And I watched Contagion that weekend. <laughs> and that did it. I was like, this is happening. This is real. And that Monday, it was, uh, it was March 16th that it was like, guys, we are transitioning to work from home. By Wednesday, we are all going to be working from home. Mm -hmm. I don't know how we're going to do this. How do we pool our resources? And luckily, all the staff had laptops. Oh, yeah. I mean, great. I don't know if it's luckily. I mean, that's just the times. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a laptop these days. But back when I was working, I didn't have, like, I didn't have money to pay for a gaming laptop. Yeah. But everyone had a laptop. So I asked them to all bring it in that um, that Tuesday, they brought in their laptops and Monday night I had ordered Amazon overnight, um, Amazon prime delivery for any kind of update, any kind of hardware, update, Ram, uh, cloning, salty hard drives, whatever you I had your to own do. IT? You did your yeah. own in-house. Yeah. Wow. Way to play the yeah. stereotype. The Asian guy. Yeah. Just did the... Seriously? Yeah. I have to say my, my older cousin, my older cousin, Carson is, he was a like big influence. He's like a few years older than me and he built his first computer in high school. Mm -hmm. I saw that. I was like, I want to do that. So I also followed in his footsteps in just that hobbyist computer world. But yeah, that, that also being technically competent mm -hmm. saved me, I think hundreds of thousands of dollars in it potential fees, <laughs> hundreds, hundreds of thousands. But anyway, so yeah, I watched contagion and I was like this, is a good reflection of what's going on. I'm so we made a decision. I I had to make a decision. We are working from home, and that Wednesday we all worked from home, um, and we did that for a few months until the numbers got down to like I think it was like fifty cases. It was like fifty cases in Toronto a day, and I was like, yeah. we can we can come to the office like you know two people in the office or oh no I remember now we did a half half. We did a team red, team blue, and every week we would switch. So that okay. the, the three people in the office would have nine days off, like basically two weekends and a week. A week ah, uh, got it. Yeah. So then if there's any symptoms, you would technically see it in, yep. in by the time that you're ready to go back to the studio in, in the two week period or whatever, uh, nine day period, um, which I, again, talk to your friends like that was uh, a coworker, a co um, a call, an old colleague of mine, Assam, who runs an architecture studio, Rastami Atash Atelier. He, he read some report about doing that kind of half on half off mm -hmm. system. Um, and uh, I was uh, like that, that inspired me. I was like, we can, we can do this relatively safely for like a few weeks. Yeah. And we did. And then September happened. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah. everyone's going back to school. The cases will go up. So then it was like August 31st. And we're like, we are all going to go back from, we're going to work from home because I know the cases will go up. And we did that up until, um, up until January, January, February, 
up until now, basically now, yeah, uh, uh, been working from home. And, and then just, I, I want to also draw attention to the fact, like, I mean, we've talked a lot for, with other people about <clears throat> like the transition to virtual operations and stuff, but I want to just mention that you and I both know about the situation where you guys in your firm, you know, you're talking about marketing and stuff. Do you want to talk about the Instagram thing that you guys did during the pandemic? Oh, yeah, what the space? <laughs> we, so, so um, immediately March happened and we lost, I think nine jobs something like that. And that's, that's about more than a quarter of our projects. Um, but our billings went down like 75%. It was Ooh. like, we went from like a running average of, of, of 50 grand a month. And it, so it sounds like a lot of money, but 50 grand basically pays for everyone's salaries yeah. and the overhead of rent. And like, that's it. It's like razor thin margins. Um, we went down to, I think like, like 15 grand of, like I didn't have enough to pay for everyone. Mm-hmm. But luckily, because of the wage subsidy that covers 75% of the wages, yep. the government basically paid to keep everyone going. So I was like, well, I have all these resources. What am I going to do? And so we created this kind of contest where you submit photos of your space, anyone out in Instagram, anyone submit photos of your space, we'll choose whatever and we'll render out something new. It just filled up time, kept people's creative juices going while we had this big lull. And it was largely paid for by the Canadian government. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, government. Thank you, federal yeah. government. I, uh, and I, I'm glad that I didn't make the decision to just let people go. Because the way I thought about it is we got to position ourselves at the other end of this pandemic mm-hmm. to be in a, in a strong position. We don't want to, we don't want to, you know, uh, uh, cut our, you know, uh, cut off our heart and our left arm and then like, yeah like right leg yeah yeah and then how do you run that marathon afterwards so um we i made the decision to not let people go it's like i don't know how i'm going to pay for this and luckily the Canadian government came through Mm -hmm. a bunch of other things also happened uh when i started the business you can't get a you can't get a loan like i i don't come from money i Mm -hmm. i can't come from a middle class um immigrant family so you go to the bank and you go i have this business that i'm starting up will you offer me a business loan? Yeah. And they will say no. They will say, well, you don't have any financial, like collateral, no leverage, yeah. nothing. But I've been banking with them since I was 16. It's like, I, you, I've got like two decades of, of stuff with you. And like, mm-hmm. no, 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 but this business account is a new account. When the pandemic happened, all of a sudden, they just flash approved three loans. It was like the, 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 the Canadian one and then two uh, BDC loans were like, well, clearly this is tough. It's going to be a tough time. Wow. Here are your loans. And it basically cleared out all the credit card debt that I had accrued in the last basically three and a half years. That is great. Holy It cow. actually was a little bit of a blessing in disguise. I was like, oh, well, I would not be approved for these things. Like, uh, and so now a lot of it isn't good credit in, in terms of business loan yeah, things yeah. that can... Um, and so then all of a sudden I like, I, I had some cash in the, in the tank to get, like, it, it opened up this ability to, to keep going. And um, yeah. Well, see, I, I think that that was great. And again, I do want to once again, say thank you very much for taking care of our kids. And, and I don't think I ever said it to you directly, but you know, as you know, I, 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 um, I like to make, make it clear that uh, I, my, my relationship with my students is pretty tight. Like, I mean, I really yeah. care a lot about yeah. my, my students and uh, I, I think that you see it as an employer, but I think that, um, 
you know, you've, you've been very good about taking our students in the past. And I just wanted to personally thank you on the air, on the record. Uh, you know, you, you took care of some of my students, like, like the fact, not, not that anything, I don't want to make embarrass her, but you know, you took Samin in and I am so glad that you gave her such a great experience that she did such wonderful things for you. I really got to say that I, I couldn't have thought of a better place for her to, to land a position, to get that experience, to build that confidence and to kind of build the kind of, I don't know, the, the confidence I would say in, in, in doing architecture. So I just wanted to say that, like I've seen her from day one in first year and now she's about to finish fourth year. I know she, she's probably listening and like just throwing her phone at her. <laughs> she's like, why? No, yeah. she's, she's great. And actually, um, I, I, we, we've, she's coming back. Um, I, uh, I have accepted, I, I still have to send her the offer, but, um, you can't say this stuff. Okay, are we supposed to say that? Okay, I write, oh, okay. cut, cut this out. Okay, no, I'm gonna keep it, but we didn't say anything <laughs> illegal. So, no, she's great, and uh, I'm so excited for her. Like, the thing is, we are at a great, we are at a, um, at a precipice. What's the word? We are at a bridging point now mm-hmm. where the old guard very much is oh, <laughs> a male dominated profession. Um, very much a white male dominated, an old white male dominated profession. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm male, so I have that, that sexist benefit, you know, in, in the misogyny of this, of, of the working world. Um, but it's changing and, um, I want to see more visible minorities and I want to see more equality in the, in like the profession, because it's just going to brew better things like, um, <laughs> brewing like coffee over there. Literally brewing. Um, and uh, I, I want to see a world where uh, there's there's less of of this kind of prejudice. And um, you know, if it, like I I've been fortunate, and I am also a visible minority, and like um, you've got to break that mold. Yeah, it's just like. Yeah, you know what? we gotta do I, everything I think, we can. You know what? You dropped it because I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna start touching it, but I, I think that you're right. Like I, I think that um, you know, a lot of other people have commented in the, in the podcast saying like, you know, when you talk to people of color or something, you you might want to ask them about how it feels. Like how was it the struggle to not have an education being dispensed with by people that were familiar? Like it's it's like you know, secondhand accounts, like, why am I getting a person who's never stepped foot in Asia, talking about mm-hmm. the history of like Asian architecture, and then just stopping at like a pagoda in the 14th century? Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, the whole Black Lives Matter, the whole uh, Me Too movement, like, the pandemic actually opened my eyes, like, I, I have, I have my own prejudices that I have to keep in check. And from these, like, from the, because of the pandemic, I'm home reading the news, it's like, oh, I have, I have my own demons to, like, I have to sit back, I have to listen and, and learn. And from that, you know, you make, you make decisions in your firm, uh, like how you run things. Um, you, like, it's systemic. So for our firm, we have to, I have to run a policy where, you know, we try to keep an equal amount of female to male ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, if there's two equal candidates, totally equal candidates in terms of um, uh, aptitude, uh, technical competence, chemistry, uh, we should bias towards a, a minority. That way, you know, because like you have technically less advantages and like, so how, like these are little policies that we're, we're, we keep in check uh, uh, in, in the firm to, to combat these systemic problems. Um, 
yeah, I, I don't have a solution, but I'm, I'm trying. It's really, it's hard. It's really hard. And, and that's what brings me to another thing. Like you're, you're and, and I don't want to be like, kind of like, again, elevating you more. And like, this is like the apotheosis of Jason. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's not um, go there, but, but like, it's like, the, it's the opposite of a roast here, but you know, you, you've actually put your money where your mouth is and you've actually given money back to the department in so far as giving scholarships. Right. And, and yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it's, it doesn't solve the problem. It, it helps. I think really it's systemic. It's like we need to expose kids in elementary school or in daycare that they got a shot of being an architect no matter what walk of life they come from. Like mm -hmm. that's that's really because um, then then you'll get more you know diversity coming into the schools through the like through the system. Um, I am I have lots of. Um, school classmates that were like their parents were architects or they you know all this stuff and it's like yeah i get it like <laughs> i i get where they come from um that's that's great my parents my I, i'm the first architect in my family like you're mm -hmm. they're like it's because they my parents worked really hard to put me through what um all the opportunities they could muster mm -hmm. um but it doesn't have to be that way not in canada at least you can come oh. from technically any high school and go to a great university. Nope, you're, you're right. And and yeah. again, I just want to say thank you for all that. But before we shut down, before we let go of you, I can do this all day. A lot of gems on like <laughs> the, the start of a firm and and just how you can actually transition and go independent. But can I just ask you lightning round first? Uh, okay. All right. So quickly, <coughs> ready? Uh, <coughs> I just drink some water. Uh, okay. God, yeah, sure. In that water, man. Okay. So first question: What's the worst building in Toronto? Oh, I don't like I don't like the OCAD building. Oh, okay, a new challenger. That's interesting because yeah. everyone nags on the ROM, but you say OCAD. Okay. Oh, that's actually a very good one too. Ooh. I don't like the ROM either. Okay. Apparently, and... you don't like any iconic building in Toronto. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, so wait, wait, wait. What is it about OCAD like that you don't like stilts? You like the 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 kind of like colored thing? Like what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I'm a less loud kind of architect. Um, Loud buildings, I mean, there maybe there's jealousy and there's inferiority in that, like mm -hmm. inferiority complex with that. Um, I think I will never get a loud building commission. I'll call <laughs> it a loud, an iconic building commission. Yeah. Um, and so there's jealousy in that. I think it's probably just the human condition that it's like, ugh. But um, the ROM, yeah, I can go into architectural thesis about that. But uh, <laughs> um, it's a loud building that really, um, I think, destroyed made made the rom it brought it down a couple pegs it brought it down a couple pegs but it also does what it needs to do yeah people there are tourists that go to the rom because it's something something else it does what it needs to do um but that's just not my the core of my architectural beliefs nope good call good call what's your favorite course that you take that you've taken Oh, I like all the courses. This is the this is the problem. I I enjoyed almost every course in undergrad, even as hard. Don't lie to me. With, Come on. No, see? I'm not gonna lie. I I I I tried to take a quote unquote bird course, and I ended up doing the worst, getting the worst grade I've ever gotten because I just wasn't invested. Huh. Um, best course. That's I I like them all, man. Uh, that the is, obvious that, one that, is that, That's like which is your favorite kid, and you're like, oh, I like them all. No, you don't. I like them all. Yeah, no, no. Some courses I liked better than others. Was there a favorite? I mean, there, I mean, the thing, so I came from a school, I came from like high school, you don't know it. Like I, I liked so many things in high school. So I had different groups of friends 
in undergrad, it was like all of a sudden you get exposure to all the stuff that is all multifaceted and all the people are also multifaceted. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is like, it's like Disneyland. So um, even like, yeah. So, I mean, you take a history course and you learn like really cool things about architectural history. And then you take your theory course and you connect those dots. It's awesome. I, I, um, I mean, the obvious one is studio. Okay. I, okay. Like, I'll give that to you all together. Yeah, because I'm just going to say they can't all be your favorite course because I've taught structures and there's no way people in our yeah. in our program say, oh, yeah, structures is amazing. Best. Fe-. No, don't lie to me. All right. Well, no, I, no, no, no. It's, okay. All right. Wait, no, no, wait. Say it, say it, say it, say it. Well, yeah. you no know, structures. I mean, you work with structural engineers. If you can't talk their lingo at all, I mean, there's yeah. no respect in that. But Jason, you don't look back and go, oh, man, I really wish I could. T-. Those are my that's my. Nah, hate it's it. the oh, last no. time I actually did bath. <laughs> like actual math so wait 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 what kind wait i thought we were playing the asian stereotype with all the computers now you're like sending me your bad i'm math. not that good at math i'm not that good at math okay okay uh, all right yeah. so before we get the edi committee on me um let's keep on going um who's your favorite <laughs> prof oh come on um hey man i didn't make these questions easy <laughs> i could have asked I who's mean, the worst prof that would have been super awkward I actually, so, so the, the, the easy, the low hanging fruit is Marco. He was my supervisor and things like that. Um, I actually have great respect for June. We actually talked about June earlier. She, I, I was her TA. I went to Brazil with her. She, she had a studio in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, I have great respect for her because she's not a loud professor, but what she says can be uh, quite poignant, quite, um, um, her, her words are strong, but she mm-hmm. doesn't have to say it in a strong way. And that's, that's a rare thing in this, in this industry. So, yeah. I, I would a hundred percent agree with you. Um, I was going to ask you what your favorite movie is, but I'm going to switch it up. What's your favorite video game? Oh, geez. Uh, I love open world video games. Um, you know, a, an easy one is Grand Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto five. Uh, I know that sounds ridiculous, but in a pandemic, having an open world to just run around and do crazy things. Uh, right now, that's that's my favorite, and I, I meet it with some old friends of mine. There's the four four guy friends of mine from um, undergrad, and that's our that's the way we can connect again. So, are you serious? Uh, you guys go online and play? I mean, I yeah. To be fair, yeah, like, about once a once a month, we we have a we, we meet up. Are you serious? Wow, that's crazy. Because yeah. I I just think that um, see, I don't know if you've hit that age yet, but. Uh, I can't play open world games just because I, I, I fall asleep because I'm too old. I play them and then I'm like, I fall asleep while I'm playing. I wake up, I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do? And <laughs> all I know is that my character's like walking into the corner or something, walking into traffic because I'm just waking up with the controller. <laughs> yeah, right. And then I that's play, right. the, I try to, I'm like, okay, you know, I'll turn it off, try to play the game like two days later or whatever. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, man. Yeah, like, yeah. You don't know what's something. going on. Yeah, exactly. So I, I can't do that. More power to you. All right. So <laughs> second last question. What is the biggest tip you would give for students studying architecture right now? Oh, um, it only gets harder. So you only have to get better at it and faster at it. Like, don't complain that it's hard because it's like, it's actually as easy as it's gonna be in school. Like technically the, the project that you have, that's technically the, the easiest project you will ever have after that point. So like the next project will be harder. The next project will be harder. And like, so it's supposed to be hard, expect it. Um, just get better at it. That, that's very good advice. Very, very good advice. And my last question, which is like a tradition in the, in this podcast is Jason, man, tell us not necessarily an embarrassing story, but a funny story from your own architectural education. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, so I had, I had bumped into, so if we reel back the, uh, the conversation, I talked about having a high school placement at a firm, um, luckily, and that's how I connected into my first working job after third year. The way I bumped into those colleagues, those old, those former colleagues, um, it was at a lecture series. Hmm. And um, I can't remember who was speaking, but to be quite frank, I had been inebriated before the lecture series. I was actually quite tipsy. Oh. And when I bumped into them, I held my own, try to keep my breath from going too far. <laughs> and uh, and uh, luckily they didn't see me as this crazy drunk and uh, landed my uh, first job. So <laughs> um, you never know, like, I mean, all the power to you if you can hold your liquor. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I was very fortunate to be able to hold mine at that point. So. Okay, so so for the high school kids listening, what he meant was he was drinking Kool-Aid. I was drinking Kool-Aid. Yeah, yeah. And, and the opinions expressed are those of Jason Fung, architect, not of Vince Hui, the prof in the department. So uh, just to make sure that, what the hell are you telling the kids, man? That's <laughs> gonna get I, well, I, have a, I, I mean, I could give you another story if you want. I, yes, I, please, please, please. Okay, so I mean, another one is uh, in my master's, I remember it was around February or so. And I was, I was, Every day I was going into the studio, even on the weekend. So it was Saturday. And uh, all these kids are coming in through the door, through the front door. And I realized, oh, these are the accept, these are the um, the portfolios. Yeah. And the, yeah. So I just thought it would be funny to stand in line, sign my name, and actually do an application. And so I did. And, uh, and you, I think you, you were on the drawing? This, you did the drawing test? I did the drawing, I did the drawing test and submitted it. And uh, of course, the, the, the invigilators doing it, they knew me and they kind of got a chuckle. And it was kind of fun to, to look on my left and right and see this really nervous high school kids, you know, the, the, the future's ahead of them, but they're really scared. And uh, like, I was just relaxed and drawing is like the best thing ever. And then a day later goes by and uh, uh, Miliana sends me an email. She, she was part of the judging committee and she says, Congratulations. We accept you for a further four years of undergrad. <laughs> uh, we welcome you back in September. <laughs> uh, and uh, I got a chuckle out of that. Way to, tra way to traumatize and torment the new, the, the, the fresh meat man. Yeah. Like, did you just like put up your legs on a desk and just be like, oh, this is so easy. No, no, I wasn't, I wasn't rude about it, but I just, I remember just being an observer and just drawing because there's no there's no stakes so we're just having fun but uh feeling the tension in the room that was serious man that was like yeah you can smell fear yeah that was that was something else yeah it, it just, just that, that that is really serious trolling man on the, on the kids like seriously that's, that's some trauma that you're that you're doing but anyways jason man i've taken a lot of your time away i know that your wife is still busy is she still watering the plants she's watering the plants um yeah, I don't know. Watching but... some videos, some YouTube videos or something. Well, the PS4 is at home, or is the PS4 still in the office? It's at home. Yeah, it's okay. at home. You took your priorities, <laughs> priorities. Anyways, I know that I've taken you long, uh, taking you for a long time, but I definitely want to say thank you for sharing your experiences with all of us. Uh, obviously, a lot of this, the people listening aren't just simply Ryerson students, but obviously candidates that may or may not have been sitting with you, <laughs> you in a, in a past <laughs> no. life. Um, but also that uh, you know we we understand that your ability to not only graduate from a program, but kind of come back and whether it's through scholarships, reviews, or even just hiring our own. Um, I do appreciate that. And certainly sharing the time to let us know about what it is to kind of secrets to success to 
make it on your own, to have the confidence to go on your own and to kind of get drunk and uh, kind of get a job. Uh, but <laughs> let that one slide. Okay. So thank okay. you very much, man. Yeah, no, thank you, Vince. I had a blast and all the respect to you for doing this too. I, I think the more in good information that we can get out there about our profession and things like that is just to everyone's benefit. So no, thank you so much. Thank you, man. Cheers.